Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on August 7th, 2022. We're in Luke chapter 9, but I want to begin with a story today. It was about 30 years ago. I had taken a youth group from our church in Mojave Valley to youth camp. And it was a great youth camp. I mean, every teenager had made a significant decision for Christ when they were there. They were on fire for Jesus the last morning. The youth camp pastor, who had impressed me very much, met with each church group individually right after breakfast, one after the other, prayed with us, and then sent us on our way. And when he met with us after he prayed, he just looked us in the eye, and I still remember this. He said this. It's not how high you jump when you're on the mountain that counts. It's how straight you walk when you get home. Then he repeated it. We'd just been on the mountain, high time with Jesus. He says, remember, it's not how high you jump when you're on the mountain that counts. What matters is how straight you walk when you get home. We got into the cars and we left. It was July, midday by now. We were leaving Pine Valley, California, and heading to Mojave Valley, so our route went through miserably hot El Centro, Blythe, and Needles, California. About halfway there, our suburban, um, big suburban, the guy had gone to youth camp with us because he had the spiritual gift of owning a suburban and could handle a lot of kids. Um, air conditioner quit. Our other car broke down. So we piled everybody into the unair conditioned suburban, which a few miles down the road had a flat tire. The kids and the adults were cranky. Tempers grew short. Camp romances, there always seems to be a few of those, turned sour. At a rest stop, an argument almost turned into a fist fight. And at the next stop, I had to gather them again all together and remind them what I'm teaching you. It's not how high you jump when you're on the mountain that counts. What matters is how straight you walk when you get home, or I added, even on the way home. Jesus followers, listen, we have mountaintop experiences, great times of worship, spiritual victories, miraculous answers to prayer. But valleys and even steep canyons follow the mountains. It happened to Jesus and the disciples. We saw them last week, if you remember, on a mountaintop. Jesus was transfigured. Moses and Elijah appeared. God spoke with a human voice from a cloud. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. It was literally and figuratively a mountaintop experience, probably the best time the disciples had ever experienced. But by the very next day, Jesus was so frustrated and disappointed with his disciples that he said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long must I put up with you? Listen, life isn't always on a mountaintop. 
it wasn't for Jesus, it will not be for us. But we can learn from Jesus and the disciples because in today's passage in Luke 9, beginning with verse 37, we're going to see six things. It's amazing in this one chapter, right after the mountaintop experience, six things about the disciples frustrated and disappointed Jesus. I want us to learn from them because I don't want us to make the same mistakes, either individually or as a church. I don't want to disappoint Jesus. He loves me. I love him, and I want to do what he wants, so I don't want to disappoint him. So as we read, see if you can pick these out. Some of them are obvious. Some are a little more subtle, but you'll see in the remaining part of the chapter six things that frustrated Jesus. Most of these six things are still happening among disciples today, so we need to make sure that it's not us. So Luke chapter 9, verse 37, let's all stand together as we read the rest of Luke chapter 9. This is right after the mountaintop. Luke chapter 9, verse 37, the next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest." Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely, I love that word, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 
Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand at the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You may be seated. And you probably caught some of the things in the passage that frustrated Jesus. I want you to know them because I don't want to be guilty of them. I don't want you to be guilty of them. I don't want our church to be guilty of these things. So we need to know and understand the chronology. Greatest day ever for the disciples, at least Peter, James, and John on the mountain. That was the high point of their Christian experience to that day when Jesus was transfigured right before their eyes, followed by this long day with multiple times of disappointing Jesus. I don't want that to be me, you, or us. So let's think of the six things that disappoints Jesus. And the first thing we see in this passage that disappointed Jesus was a lack of faith. Despite the powers that Jesus had given them, and if you remember the beginning of the chapter, Jesus had given them power to heal and power to cast out demons, they couldn't help the boy. And the first thing Jesus heard when he came down from the mountain was, I beg your disciples to help, and they could not. Mark tells us that the reason was a lack of faith. They didn't have the faith to help such an extreme case. And they didn't even do the other steps of faith that you might do. They didn't bring the boy to Jesus. Nor did they spend extra time, as Mark points out, in prayer and fasting. They tried. They failed. They didn't have the faith to go forward. And it led them to give up on the boy. Listen, lack of faith still disappoints Jesus. We find it as easy sometimes as the disciples to give up on hardened people and tough cases. Just look at what's happening in America. There are disappointments, problems, issues everywhere we look. Fentanyl kills thousands, tens of thousands of people. And yet rarely do we get a prayer request. It says, God, heal this addict. Marriages are falling apart everywhere. Mental illness is afflicting hundreds of thousands. Gun violence is a horror. But we'd rather debate gun control than spend time asking Jesus for help. It's almost as if we've just given up. That's who we are. That's just what we have to live with in America. I'm telling you, the, the, the way I see the lack of faith is because no one is sending in prayer requests saying, pray for this, pray for them, pray for that. It's almost as if we've lost the faith that Jesus can change the hard cases, the tough cases, the extreme cases. I'll know that faith has returned when prayer meetings are overflowing with people coming and saying, man, I know this addict. God, change him. God, we had another shooting last night, another major shooting. God, we need that to be stopped. Help our nation to turn to you. God, I know this marriage has fallen apart. It's horrible. It's terrible. I don't think they're going to make it. God, change their hearts. We do a lot of praying for the cancers and the heart attacks and the health issues. 
but it's almost as if we backed off from the major issues. Do we really believe that God can change America and change us? A lack of faith deeply disappoints Jesus. And we need to return to that. Yes, God can. Jesus can. What else? The second thing that frustrates Jesus is our lack of understanding. The disciples didn't even try here to understand what Jesus had told them. He had already told them once in Luke chapter 9. So this is the second time in this chapter alone that Jesus said, look, the Son of Man is going to suffer. He's going to be arrested, crucified, and die. And they didn't even try to understand it. Listen to the flow of verse 43. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God because God had just did something incredible. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Even with the listen carefully. And even though this was the second time just in Luke chapter 9 that he had told them something like that, it went right over their heads. They didn't understand it. They didn't try to understand it. They didn't even ask questions. In their minds, they believed that, that crowds were going to flock to Jesus. He was going to be declared king by acclamation. He would kick out the Romans and peace and prosperity would come to Israel and they would reign with Jesus. Listen, the truth, and they totally missed it, was that by the end of that year, or within the year, Jesus would be crucified. And 40 years later, their nation would be totally destroyed. A destruction that lasted for almost 1,900 years. Jesus had explained things, they totally missed it. Listen, because I think Jesus often says to us, listen carefully. But our refusal to do the hard work of studying the Bible, to find out what it really says, instead of just what we want to say, or what popular theology tells us that it says, or what America believes that it says, our inability to do the hard work, to not just accept what we've heard or what was told to us or what we read on the internet, but to actually jump into the word and do the study for ourselves. I think it deeply disappoints Jesus. The disciples had bought into popular theology. The problem with popular theology is it is often wrong and they failed to ask the questions of Jesus and that disappoints him. So what frustrates Jesus? A lack of faith. What frustrates Jesus? A lack of understanding. The next thing that disappointed Jesus was a lack of humility. Now that was, this was based in part on their lack of understanding because they thought Jesus is going to set up an earthly kingdom and each of us 
wants to be like the top dog next to Jesus, sitting on a throne right next to him. And so they begin to argue among themselves, which one of us is the most important? Which one's going to be like the, 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 the vice president, the, the second in command? Which one of us gets to serve on the cabinet? When Jesus is king, I'm the greatest. I want to be right there. Now, now this is how I imagine it. Peter. I'm the leader of the group, guys. Have you noticed that I'm the one that always speaks up? I know the Bible hasn't been written yet, but when it's written in every list of the 12 disciples, my name is going to come first. I'm the greatest. John, Peter, you're not the greatest. Loudmouths, because they speak so much, always think it's all about them. Would you shut up and listen? I'm the beloved disciple. When I write my gospel, it's going to be in there. I'm the greatest. Andrew, listen, my good friend John and my loudmouth brother Peter, while you guys were still catching fish, I was a disciple of John the Baptist. I saw him first. I'm the greatest. Nathaniel, listen, Peter, you always get the credit for saying that Jesus was the Son of God. But when John writes his gospel, John chapter 1 is going to say, I'm the first one who said he's the Son of God. You guys can check it out. It'll be in John chapter 1, verse 49, someday. And so they argued about who was the greatest of the twelve. And Jesus brought a child in among the midst. And he said, whoever welcomes this child welcomes me. And they will be the greatest. Stop worrying about acclaim, praise, honor, rank, applause. Just welcome children in my name. Tell them about me. The world may think you're of no account, but you're a big deal to me. Listen to Jesus, nursery workers. Church basketball coaches, youth and children teachers may outrank pastors and worship leaders. And so Jesus said, seek to be last, not first, or you're going to disappoint me. But what disappointed Jesus? A lack of faith, a lack of understanding, a lack of humility. And the fourth was a lack of unity. Jesus, they thought they were doing right, but, but, but Jesus, we told him to stop. He was casting out demons in your name, but he's not one of us. And Jesus rebuked them. Listen, whoever is not against you is for you. If he's doing my work, regardless of whether he's one of us, why would you stop him? 
Listen, I want you to understand something, so I'm going to give a word to Baptists, a word to Americans, and a word to white people. A word to Baptists. We are not the only Jesus followers, and we need to know that. A word to Americans. We are not God's chosen nation. A word to whites. We are not God's chosen race. There are many who are not of our skin color, not of our citizenship, and not of our denomination who are doing God's work. One of my favorite moments at Avondale Baptist Church was when we first opened up Mission of Mercy. I know I've told you this before. That's our medical, free medical care on Mondays. And when we first opened up, we didn't have any medical translators because we knew many of the patients, and it was. Many of them would speak Spanish, and they needed to hear from the doctor in the Spanish language to understand. And so we went to St. John Vianney, the Roman Catholic Church up the road, who sent two of their nuns in full habit to come to the Baptist church and translate for us. And I was just kind of an observer this day. It was so much fun to walk people walk into a Baptist church and to see a Roman Catholic nun greeting them and talking to them. And it's almost that people like, yeah, the sign says Baptist. What's going on? It says, when did Baptist churches get nuns? And one guy asked me. I was there with one of the sisters. And one guy asked, he says, so what's going on? From what we've heard, Baptists and Catholics are like that. And before I could answer, I loved what she said. They love Jesus we love Jesus. They love people. We love people. We decided we can do God's work together. And I absolutely loved her answer. I could just smile. Yes, she said it better than I could. It's almost as if she was a member of Avondale Baptist Church. Love God, love people, follow Jesus. You know, it's like and hearing it from her, we need to remember. We got to work with others, not the same not exactly like us, not the same skin color, not the same language, not the same denomination, who love Jesus and do his work. Jesus wants us to have unity. The fifth thing that disappoints Jesus is our lack of compassion. So they're going through Samaria. And the Samaritans did not welcome Jesus because he was headed to Jerusalem. They did not recognize Jerusalem as the capital. They also had some racial issues and some faith issues. And so the sons of thunder, James and John, were furious with them. Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And Jesus specifically and immediately rebuked them. For their lack of compassion. Now listen carefully to this. Because we have way too many sons of thunder in today's church that have not accepted the rebuke from Jesus. Just in the last month, I've heard from Christians 
who wanted to call down fire from heaven on Democrats, on rhinos, on Trumpians, on Muslims, on gays, on refugees, on Biden, and on Putin. Jesus rebuked James and John. And Jesus will and does rebuke us. Even when we have significant differences of opinion, even when others are flat out wrong, even when they reject Jesus, as did the Samaritans, the response of Jesus' followers is love and compassion. We love them enough that we want them to know Jesus. We love them enough that we are willing to tell them about Jesus. We will let God be the judge and we will be the witnesses. Yeah, I know. We get mad sometimes. But if our response is calling down fire from heaven, we need a rebuke from Jesus. Just like these two good men, James and John, the sons of thunder, received. I'll let God be the judge. I want to be the witness to Jesus. And that's the role of the church. And the sixth thing that disappoints Jesus is our refusal to follow completely. In that last passage, you get a lot of the, I will follow you, but I will follow you after. I will follow you when, no matter what the qualifier is that disappoints Jesus. Because Jesus is teaching us real discipleship, which is, I will follow you, period. No qualifiers. And I will follow you because I trust you. If you want me to go home and take care of my dad, you will tell me to do so. I trust you to make the right decision. I'm going to follow you. If you want me to go home and say goodbye to my family, you will tell me to do so. I will trust you because I know you love my dad and you love my family more than I do. And if you want me to be homeless, Jesus said, look, foxes have dens, birds have nests. I've got nothing. You sure you still want to follow me? Man, I wish I knew that guy's answer. Luke didn't record it, but it caused him to stop and think. I'm not going to give you a beautiful home. Matter of fact, we might be sleeping outside tonight. You still want to follow me? What Jesus wants is, yes, I will follow you. What disappoints Jesus is our refusal to follow completely. So have you told Jesus, yes? period. I will follow you, period. I will follow you, but no. I will follow you when I just need a short deferral. No. I will follow you after I do that. No. What Jesus wants is yes. What disappoints him is anything less. The sons of thunder had been on the mountain with Jesus, Peter, and now they faced his rebuke. Listen, we're going to face both. Jesus will give us great times of victory. And Jesus, because he loves us and he wants to teach us, is going to have to tell us, no, you're wrong, stop. 
Rethink that. Recommit to that. Remember, it's not how high you jump when you're on the mountain that counts. What matters is how straight you walk when you get home. So let's not disappoint Jesus. Not with our lack of faith or lack of understanding or lack of humility or lack of unity or lack of compassion or our refusal to follow him completely. So what am I asking when I say don't disappoint Jesus? I want to give you three practical steps. Number one is not a whole lot of fun, but I want you to do it. Accept the rebukes of Jesus. Accept the rebukes of Jesus. Because he will give them to you because he loves you. Man, he loved Peter, and man, he loved James, and man, he loved John, and he loved Nathaniel and Andrew and all the rest of them. But he was teaching them, not just patting them on the back. You guys are great. You guys are incredible. You guys are wonderful. No, you don't have enough faith. No, you don't have enough unity. No, you don't have enough compassion. No, you say you're willing to follow me, but you're really not. And so we need to learn to accept the rebukes of Jesus. It may come through your Bible study teacher. It may come from your pastor. By the way, don't leave mad if a pastor rebukes you. It means he cares enough about you. And it's part of his job to correct wrong teaching and to say when you're wrong. That's an epidemic in American churches. I can't believe he told me I was wrong. I'm going to go find another church. No, we all need rebukes. And by the way, so do pastors. So do pastors. A rebuke may come directly to your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. It may come from a friend. You may even get a rebuke, and this has happened to me, from a lost person. You remember the story in the Old Testament when a rebuke more or less came from a donkey? Yeah. So we need to learn to accept the rebukes of Jesus. Jack, you're wrong. Church, you're wrong. Rethink that. Change your attitude. Change your heart. Accept them if you want to grow. And don't just insist that you know best. Because he does. So accept the rebukes of Jesus if you want to grow. Number two, build your faith and your understanding by deep study. And by that, I mean deep study of the Word, the Bible, what God has given us. Don't accept something as true just because a pastor told you, even if the pastor's name is Jack. Don't accept it just because it's part of popular American theology some of what the American church believes is wrong, just like some of what Jews in Jesus' day believes is wrong. By all means, don't accept it because you found it on the internet. And don't do your study as so many people do. So many people do their Bible study this way. I know what I believe, and I'm going to find it in the Bible. That is the wrong way to do the Bible study, and it will lead you down the wrong path every time. Because you've already made up your mind. You're just trying to find a verse. That's the wrong way to do this Bible study. The right way is, God, I want to know the truth. 
I've been told this, I've been told this, I've been told this, I think this, I don't know what's right. Let me study the word and find out what is real. And then we won't disappoint Jesus because of our shoddy interpretation or our shallow understanding. By the way, my Wednesday night class is how to interpret the Bible and understand what it means and how to study the Bible for yourself. We're learning some great principles on the best way to do that. Then number three, and I know it's not on your bulletin, that's okay. This is a bonus, but this is the heart of everything I've said. Say yes. Man, if you don't know whatever else to say to Jesus, just start with yes. Not yes, but, not yes as of next week, not yes, I'm going to make the decision next Sunday. Not yes, I got to get this straightened out first. Yes. Come follow me. Yes is what God wants. Remember what the camp pastor told me and us and what I told you at the beginning. It's not how high you jump when you're on the mountain that counts. What matters is how straight you walk when you get home. Let's say yes, and let's follow Jesus. And today may be the day. Don't put it off. Don't say yes, but next Sunday. I'm going to do this next Sunday. I'm going to do it next week. I mean, almost every Christian I know has made that mistake. I'm going to do this when I get home. I don't have time to pray right now. I've got a lot on my mind. I'm, I'm going to do it when I get home. Yes, period, is what Jesus wants. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net, and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.